Hello and welcome to another episode of our podcast Inspiration in Automation by ISA NAIT student section and in today's episode we will be discussing technical writing and communication My name is Meenal and I'll be your host this evening For listeners who are not acquainted with technical report or a capstone project it is a course that is required by accreditation for all the engineering technology programs In third semester at NAIT, students work on research and choosing the topic. And in their fourth semester, they are expected to finalize the topic and write a three thousand words long report, and then deliver a fifteen minute oral presentation. For us technology students, this course might come as a challenge when we are more used to taking the hands-on approach and not much into writing things. But don't worry, our guest this evening will. will try to provide some help and valuable insights into the subject to begin with us today we have arthur clock png senior inc engineer at worley canada with over 40 years of experience in inc field president of iisa edmonton section and chairperson of the advisory committee to nates instrumentation engineering technology program and with us we have lisa sluka an instructor with the department of english and communications at nate she earned both a bachelor of education and master of arts in communication and technology from university of alberta she has over 25 years of teaching career and i welcome both of you to our podcast so let's dive into the and conversation came back and taught public school and all the versions of english business communications business education those types of things um really any anything unfamiliar can be seen as scary and i understand that but it can also be seen as an uh, an opportunity um an opportunity to learn or an opportunity to expand your horizons so really it all depends on your attitude so yeah that's nice so arthur question to you uh, what made you choose instrumentation well it's a long story because uh really my major was in electronic engineering and when i came in canada in 81 was not a lot of electronics in alberta uh and so i retrained myself basically into instrumentation because i knew a little bit of that uh when i was a student in poland i knew english pretty well and especially technical english and i was making money on the side as a student translating uh, english technical documents into polish and one of the documents was uh, uh, for the pulp mill that was designed in canada and was built in poland and so i learned quite a bit of uh, instrumentation in terminology and that helped me got a job here in canada and that's why i ended up being instrumentation engineer really like this field because it's a cross between physics like me- uh, mechanical engineering a little bit of chemical material engineering and a lot of electrical and electronics so it's 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 really interesting field and i really like to promote it uh, everywhere so that's my story yeah sounds interesting so Lisa as you mentioned this is this is my passion you discovered it in your childhood. Oh that's a very good a very good question it's really hard to 
try and find one single element because English and communications as a discipline has so many um, forms. And as I mentioned to you before, I had taught English as a second language in uh, Japan overseas for a number of years. Also taught public school in the in the uh, Edmonton Public District uh, before coming to Nate and in with Nate. Uh, has I have actually taught for um, a wide range of programs, and because of that, I'm able to help develop skills that that range from basic grammar, sentence structure, uh, all the way to the other spectrum uh, when it comes to Toastmasters, for example, or any sort of presentation skills. So um, that on top of the fact that, as you know, as a NATE student, you have a very specific core of learning, uh, which would be very different from civil engineering or Baker apprentice or heavy equipment technician. So, uh, as an English and communications instructor for each of those departments, I need to customize the materials and deliver them individually to meet those students' needs. So I can't say that any aspect of my job has been boring. <laughs> that, that's interesting to know. And Arthur, do you enjoy instrumentation, your work? Well, absolutely. I, you know, I never look back and I'm, I'm really glad that I choose this field. Uh, because it's always interesting and some learning something new. I I do read a lot and uh, scout uh, internet for int new and interesting stuff. And I'm involved in writing a SCADA uh, standard in ISA. So uh, it's it's really uh, enriching experience, and uh, I really like to. Um, Pass my knowledge to to younger generation. That's why I'm involved in Nate and uh, is mentoring at ISA and uh, you know being a, a president as well. So that's that's my goal really. Yeah. So you have mentioned ISA. If any of our listeners here are not aware of what the International Society of Automation is, can you explain in your words what is ISA? And how the vision of the organization ties to us students and professional in automation and INC industry. Okay, in in a single sentence, the International Society of Automation (ISA.org) is a nonprofit professional association founded in 1945, so it's 75 years. Wow. To create a better world through automation. That's the official, you know, spiel, right? And that yeah. really describes well what it is. And for me, it's a, like loose, it's loosely kind of uh, fabric of like-minded uh, automation and instrumentation professionals, right, around the world. It started as a international. Uh, Instrument Society of America. That was the initial name of that, right? Uh, the acronym stays the same, but because they want to, um, you know, increase their coverage in the world, they change it to International Society of Automation because they talk also that, you know, automation is more encompassing that that uh, simple instrumentation. So that's why it's it's changed, evolved really from the strict instrumentation aspect to to automation. So yeah, uh, yeah please yeah, go ahead. 
No, no, just please. Yeah, you're saying something. Right. What I'm saying is, it's it's uh, it has a lot of divisions. So it has the division being at kind of areas of uh, interest, right? So there is a, a chemical process control division, then there is uh, automation, then there is a waste and uh, water treatment. So everyone can find their own niche. So it, it's very, very broad aspect and very uh, people can find what they really like in it. Yeah, that's why I chose instrumentation. This is one of my my reasons. So uh, when uh, you you guys have told us about yourself, and now I think we can dive into our today today's topic. So I'll start with Lisa. Uh, what is a technical report on a capstone project? So really, in in context of learning and career pathway, quite honestly, a technical report is an opportunity. It's an opportunity or a pathway to bridge or connect whatever you're learning in instrumentation with a career opportunity, uh, an intended career pathway. Uh, it can be a personal passion, for example. Um, as Arthur indicated and you um, concurred, uh, instrumentation is such a broad, there's such a broad spectrum of applications to instrumentation. Um, and as an instructor, I learn so much from from students who are completing their capstone projects simply because it seems to be that uh, automation and improvement using instrumentation theory, instrumentation processes, uh, equipment uh, can be made on almost virtually anything we can think of. The idea behind capstone projects, however, is that we're looking at this from an approach of an applied research project and applied research basically is finding a real world problem, and a problem can be a good thing uh, as well as a bad thing, uh, but finding a real world situation and using, again, uh, instrumentation or applying instrumentation in order to improve it. So this, again, can be uh, any problem that you may find in any aspect of your life that you're passionate about. So that's in, that is what a, the, a capstone project entails. Yeah, so Arthur, what is your thoughts on technical and communication and importance of it with respect to what you see in the field? It's very important in in technology, in doesn't matter if it's instrumentation, mechanical or any other field, right? Because you you work on ideas, uh, you do research and then you have to present it to to broader audience, right? And that's uh, how that either presentation, technical presentation or technical writing is very important. And, you know, for me, what it's perfect uh, technical report or a good technical presentation has to be clarity. You know, you, you have to be uh, sure what you want to present to people and they have to be, you know, uh, absorbing the stuff that you want to present, right? So a little fluff, make it uh, uh, easy to read. Don't use the big sentences or big words, right? Very, very you know, shorter sentences uh, and follow the logic, 
right? Follow the logic, how you present in, you know, what was your objective in your project? How did you do it? Uh, what was the uh, difficult parts of it? How you solved that? And at the end, summary, right? Yeah. So that's, you know, that's simple. Sounds simple, but it's sometimes difficult to put it in, in practice. Yeah, so do you find this challenging? Because we do. Well, absolutely. You know, I'm procrastinator, right? Uh, but technical writing, you cannot procrastinate. And it will not resolve by itself, right? You have to do it. Yeah. So uh, I, I said uh, I'm involved in one of the standards. And there are probably 50 people uh, writing collectively and standards. Everyone has a little bit of it, a piece of it and writing it. So it's, we're following a standard, a different uh, type of special type of writing uh, that is done for standards. And that's helps to make it a uniform document, even that, you know, 50 people doing it, right? So. The way it it is uh, organized, that everyone has uh, selected uh, a part of it to write, and then we submit it all, and then we going section by section, and collectively during the online meeting we are uh, editing. Them. So it's probably you can do the same in your group if you have a group of people for people doing the capstone project. You guys, you know, uh, choose what you want to write, and then you come together and put it all together so it sounds right, and uh, there's some logic flowing, and gives you a good uh, document at the end. Yeah, but we are, we are supposed to do it alone, not in not in groups. Yeah, but but talking about the challenges, even Arthur finds it finds it challenging. So, Lisa, is there a way to make our lives easier and maybe take a step-by-step -step approach and something like the how-to guide? Where, where, yeah. where should we start? Well, there's actually four really great points that Arthur made uh, in his response and quite tells me, actually, honestly, he'd, he'd make an excellent technical writing instructor for the course. First thing that he focused on is a wide-ranging audience. And this is where I think um, instrumentation students may have Maybe stuck. And what I mean by that is that instrumentation students going through high school, English 10, 20, 30, uh, and then moving into, into instrumentation, really their obligations to write long missives, long compositions, uh, really uh, get set by the wayside as you as instrumentation students learn the theory, learn the technical elements, get your hands on the instrumentation as it is. So you've got a bit of a gap there. Um, the second thing, or to add to that, you're actually learning a different form of writing entirely. So you're no longer looking at novel studies and essays. Uh, what you're looking at doing is shifting from an academic point of view into a technical point of view. And technical, technical reports, technical presentations are actually tools. They're, they're decision-making tools and, and educational tools. And on top of this, you are reaching a wider audience uh, as a technical communicator than you would be as an academic uh, writer 
simply because you're writing for both uh, an audience that you intend to have learned, such as your classmates, instructors, um, co-workers within your organization, but there are also individuals who could learn and make decisions based on the research that you're pre presenting that you haven't even anticipated. So in the context of an organization, your proposal to automate a certain process or to enhance the automated automation of a certain process, for example, um, the decision to fund that actually falls upon uh, a different department that may not have any experience with regard to the particulars of instrumentation, for example, and yet they're the ones who say yes or no. So you need to think about those individuals as well as the individuals who have the um, essential expertise in um, instrumentation in order to be able to successfully communicate that this, for example, this solution with automating or enhancing an automation uh, is worth investing in. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. yeah, so just one question, where and when should we start? I mean, to get it done on time and not not just get tensed about it at last minute. Right, right. Um, that's an interesting, um, that's an interesting point. Arthur talked a little bit about the fact that you would, in his situation, uh, he would draft a portion and then come together as a group to revise it. So, uh, as you know, uh, the first draft that you ever create or proposal uh, is never or is not going to be your end result. So you need to come approach any form of writing, especially technical writing for a wide ranging audience uh, with a bit of expectation that you're going to have to be as flexible as possible and, and uh, perhaps change your pathway a little bit. So quite honestly, where and when to start, uh, quite often the easiest thing you can do is think about where and when instrumentation appears and influences your everyday life. That would basically mean thinking about your commute to school. How do traffic signals um, optim or how are how is traffic traffic signaling optimized through instrumentation, for example? Or how is the LRT metro line scheduling and pathways? How are those how are those optimized? Um, thinking about the different types of solutions that can be applied, and um, perhaps exploring those. Another good thing to do is think about where your strengths lie. For example, if you're an analyzer, uh, if you're an analyzer scholar, if you really like the, the whole concept, then find the instructor, find your analyzer instructor, or find the uh, analyzer subject matter expert within the instrumentation program and start talking to them a little bit about what types of things you could do to solve problems uh, with analyzers or analyzer theory, for example. Yeah, so I think he pointed to start early, early, as early as possible. So, uh, for what would you say, what types of research is required or accepted for tech report or a caption project? And do you see students struggling in terms of research and finding information? Um, it's been my experience that again, what we're, what we're all trying to do as instructors, as the instrumentation program, and certainly as students is meet the requirements, both of um, asset and, and tech. Okay. So that basically means that we as your instructors also have to abide by certain rules and enforce those guidelines in order to maintain that professional designation uh, for our program. And of course, make sure that your uh, diploma is as high quality as possible. So as a result, there are certain guidelines that are set out uh, again by both of those professional bodies that we do need to follow. And when it comes to research, again, there are two streams that you can follow uh, 
with the capstone uh, research process, and that is again to either do uh, an, an objective or a subjective analysis or comp comparative analysis of a certain um, situation or problem or scenario, uh, or you can actually perform an experiment. And both of those can uh, involve or should involve some secondary research um, and then application of your instrumentation principles um, within your discussion. You can also form, uh, perform some interviews to get some uh, excellent real life, real time uh, information on the topic that you've chosen. Yeah, so both of you have mentioned solving solving the problem. So Arthur, I ask you what kind of issues or problems in the field are there in the field of instrumentation could be of interest to a future employer um, that can be resolved through a secondary research and might be worth presenting in a, in a job interview. Well, absolutely. If you if you have a capstone project that uh, was practical and you think it's uh, relevant to the company that you applying for, absolutely put it in in your resume because that that gives you advantage of somebody who doesn't put it in first of all, right? And and provides more information for the employee employer to. Uh, to evaluate you, so you know this is is a very good point, and always uh, always do that. And you know the the research that you guys do or practical uh, practical uh, program uh, practical project, it, it's very re relevant to, to to your future employment. For example, you know one of the mm, reports that we usually in engineering write. It's uh, it's called a DBM. It's a design basis memorandum. So I work uh, right now on a project for let's say Enbridge, right? We we designing a uh, new pump station, and all the disciplines uh, put their information in this project and put it in the, this design basis memorandum. How are they gonna? do the detailed design of, of that particular project in the future. So uh, it is, this is one example of the real life, you know, technical writing that you, yes. that you're going to do, you know, sooner or later, you know. Yeah. So uh, talking about the projects uh, we do or see in real life, uh, in real life, do you really refer to technical papers or journals? I mean, what are your go-to resources for that? Well, absolutely. One of them is Intech, uh, which is the publication by uh, ISA, right? You get with your membership. You can read it online. I do read a lot of stuff uh, related to electronics, to embedded system. Uh, you know, you got, I look at the LinkedIn, there are tons of different, uh, ways, uh, you know, to broaden your knowledge, go to YouTube. There is a lot of stuff by vendors that they present how their, uh, PLCs are programmed or uh, HMI. You can program, uh, online, uh, they. 
instrumentation companies, how, you know, field instruments, how they operate, uh, what's the principle of of, uh, of their uh, working, and it, it's tons of tons of information, and you know, you have to be uh, fairly careful because you can spend all day jumping from one, uh, you know, website to another website, from one. Uh, uh, YouTube uh, video to another one, so you have to put a a goal. What do you want to learn, right? And you go to only see and read the stuff that is specific to that. Don't go, you know, run in the circles because that will get you in trouble. You're gonna waste time. It is a knowledge, right? But it is not the one that you need at this moment, right? So. You have to be, uh, you have to pace yourself. Yeah. So you mentioned in tech magazine, and uh, would you mention what are the other technical resources ISA offers to its student members? Well, it's a lot of, oh, to any members, not only student members. I'm going to look, I'm going to share my screen. I'm going to show you what, what's there online. On sure, yeah. Okay, so if you go to ISA uh, site, and yeah. the main from the main site you go to your uh, ISA Connect, which is connect.isa.org, and here at home you get this home tab tells you uh, it's slow. Okay, it's a summary what what's what's available, right? Different yeah. blogs, different technical discussion, and technical discussions are very good and excellent uh, areas of uh, learning. Right from there, you can select communities, you can engage uh, and uh, try to be a or you know join a volunteer, look at the events, and then you go to resources, member resources, and you know. If you go to resources, member resources, you can, you get all this stuff. ISA on demand, uh, different reports, uh, user guide of ISA Connect, which you should read. You go to ISA on demand, uh, cybersecurity stuff, IIoT, digital transformation, you know, all, all this is available and they'll, a lot of them are free. There are uh, white papers that you can, ebooks you can go, like this one, Automation 2020, Cloud Engineering. It's all available to you guys. Most of it is free. There are stuff that, you know, you have to pay, but, you know, you go there and you find stuff that is absolutely free and go ahead and use it because it's it's cost you $10 a year, right? It's yeah. a good Good value for money. So go there and you, right? And yeah. also there are events uh, would be at home, I think, here. Uh, the recent uh, at ISA blog, you will learn uh, the recent uh, advertisement of, uh, okay. Uh, Sorry. 
uh, what's happening. There is a re uh, meetings with uh, or webcast with uh, ISA presidents present and and past. And those are guys that you know they are experts in a field, and you can hear them. You know. Uh, to present stuff they're passionate about, and they be able to to put forward the, the information they want to share with you. So use it, please. Go ahead, and it doesn't cost anything. Just your time, right? I know you guys have to go to your classes. You have to write a report and. But this is will broaden your experience and broaden your uh, expertise uh, tremendously. Okay, yeah, gonna... So yeah, we are asked for interviews for our reports. Uh, get experts to talk about your topic or your problem or your issues. I think I say connect, and. There are a few more resources available with ISA where you can connect with people all over the world. And yes. so those are those uh, kind of bulletin boards. You can ask questions and, you know, and there is, uh, you know, there is a section for students section. You can connect to different students from state, for example, or from different uh, countries from US. You get list here of different uh, Bismarck Star State College in uh, uh, North Dakota, you know, in India, anywhere you want. So it's a big open word that uh, all people that doing the same that you guys doing, but they might know something that you want to know from. So it's really good to to if you have a question post the question and everyone will be happy to answer that you know don't post the you know question that you have to solve in order to pass the mark right obviously but if you have a problem that you you need help you know part of the problem to solve it you don't understand something post the question people will happy to to respond send me email i'm happy ask anna for you know, connect with me on LinkedIn, and most of you are connected with me, and ask yeah. questions. I'll be happy to answer. So, yeah, so okay, I'm stop sharing it now. Yeah. So Arthur is one of your resources who are listening. You can connect with him if you have, uh, or you are facing uh, a technical challenge in your report or something else. So. For moving on, uh, talking about the resources, uh, I think some of these resources, including the InTech magazine, is also available with Nate Library. Uh, what would you say, Lisa? Um, I'm not sure if I can share my screen, but what I did uh, was to bring up and make available to the Nate Library webpage uh, as it as yeah. it relates to your program. Uh, so bear with me. I'm just going to see if I can uh, share my screen. Sure. Yeah, you can also post your in the chat. So okay. Okay. Actually, that probably would be the better idea there. So I'm there are two there are two links that I'm going to post and bear with me. I just need to grab my keyboard and get back in here. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I think there are a few resources available in Nate Library. Uh, for uh, while Lisa is posting those links in the chat, uh, I will move on to next question to Arthur. Uh, could you please advise on how to approach a company or an expert in the industry and ask them if they they are facing uh, or dealing with a challenge or an issue that a student can investigate in like, 30 hours of time in 10, 10 weeks and write a report about it and try to resolve it? You're on mute, Arthur. Okay, so can you rephrase the question again? Because there was uh, uh, yeah, echo sure. and I could not understand. So what I was saying is uh, how to approach a uh, company or an expert in the industry to ask them what, what are the challenges they are dealing with in, in their day-to-day -day work and pick that up for your report and maybe write about it and try to solve that, that uh, problem or issue. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, you need a contact. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people in ISA Edmonton uh, section, right? We have 300 members. There are, you know, a lot of companies involved. You got Enbridge, you got uh, Syncrude, you got U of A, you got uh, Nate. You got Interpipeline, Epcor, uh, Capital Power, and reach to those, you know, person from the company that you are interested in and ask them what kind of problem they would be willing to, to share or give it to you uh, to, to do during the Capstone project. Capstone is how long? How many weeks? It's uh, 30 hours, 10 weeks. 10 weeks, okay, right. I think it's something that we should look into as a ISA Edmonton section to, to, uh, to help you guys uh, that we uh, talk to companies and, you know, solicit uh, uh, problems for students to resolve. And, you know, that will be... I think very good uh, uh, use of your time and uh, perhaps companies can use it in real life and connect with you and possibly expose you to future employment. So I think it's a good idea and I will follow up. And I'm going to talk to Anna about it. And maybe we're going to uh, be doing it next year to, to this year. I think it's not enough time to do it, but. But for uh, next year, we'll we'll organize ourselves and help you guys finding a basically sponsor, right? To, yeah, yeah, right I think that's great. Just, right now, just uh, you know, go uh, no cold. It's called cold calling in in sales, and uh, look uh, for something that you know person. Ask them question. You know, they might have something that uh, you might be able to work on. Yeah, and maybe start a directory of information that we are giving for free after this podcast and call people to connect with them. 
Just if it's okay if I just uh, interject here. Uh, yeah, it's interesting sure. because I have had students and I'm pretty sure Anna has in the past as well. Students who have used their reports as part of their interview fodder as well as their presentations when it comes to being able to provide information on what they know and how they can apply it. Uh, in two instances, actually, I've had students bring in potential employers to view their final presentations. And again, this was in the real life classroom setting prior to COVID. Uh, in order to better be able to uh, not uh, only display their um, their research skills, but their presentation skills as well, the communication skills. And uh, Arthur, I actually have a quick question for you. Um, in your in your um, storied history uh, or career, I'm just wondering what what do you think would be the percentage of uh, writing you've had to do uh, compared to when you when you started uh, your career and where you are now? Did you find that you have a, an equal amount of writing uh, tasked to your job or are you increasing your writing as, or did you increase your writing as you progress through your career? Uh, I'm avoiding writing, <laughs> 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 but I think it's about the same. I would say it might change in now, you know, might be changing now because usually if you are a junior, the people dump on you the stuff that don't like doing. So, you know, they might ask you to write something that it's not, not very interesting for them, but it might be, you know, uh, something that you grow into. Uh, right now I'm writing mostly high end stuff and, you know, like DBMs and, you know, specific to the control system, control narrative, control philosophy stuff. It's very, very, very narrow uh, scope of, of my writing or the, like the standards that I'm involved with. So, you know, I would say probably you would have to uh, look that you're going to write, you know, maybe 10, 20% of your time. Probably no more than that. Thank you. That's interesting. So next question is to Arthur. Uh, you mentioned that you are a car racing enthusiast and I remember quite a few of my classmates decided to pick turbochargers and tuning as their research topics. Would you suggest something there or for people who might share your area of interest? Uh, would you com comment on what's the latest in industry and what can be picked from there? Right. It you know, it's a big topic. I can talk hours for that, right? <laughs> the thing is, you know, what, what's the purpose of the car? Is it a street car or a race car? It's a big difference. What are you going to do? Right? Because yeah. then I see the big, uh, uh, diesel trucks, people, uh, you know, change the tuning of the controller. And then when they, uh, accelerate it it's just billows the black smoke you know it's a really bad thing for to do because they dump the uh, too much fuel into the uh, injection in in the in the engine to get more power you know because you know if you look at the engine it's it's a air pump right so there are two two ways of increasing efficiency and power from from the engine one is to increase rpm 
uh, and the other one is to turbocharge it to put more more charge into the uh, to intake, right? Yeah. I got two books, interesting, really books that I consider uh, uh, basic or very important books on performance tuning. That's the one here. And if somebody wants, I can uh, lend you this book. The second well, one is it's called Maximum Boost. And they are very good books for you to understand how engine operating, how you should tune this stuff. So uh, you can uh, talk to your uh, colleagues that are doing project car. I won't help them with tuning itself because I don't do that anymore. And, you know, that's very specialized uh, uh, field. And there are auto tuners that you can use. Uh, but, you know, I don't want to be responsible for somebody else's car. Okay, I can play with my car, but I don't want to be responsible for somebody else's vehicle. So, yeah, you guys see that's one major resource right there. If you want ideas on that topic, you can directly approach Arthur for, for that. So, you know, if, uh, I, if, I, if I can just interrupt, I just wanted to add that because Nate is also a, a polytechnic, it provides so many different types of programs and courses of learning. We can actually, as the English and communications instructors, as well as your instrumentation instructors, we can actually reach out to other program instructors, instructors to get you connected to, um, for example, interview. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the, the individual you're speaking of specifically just finished up an interview with one of the heavy equipment um, instructors who also has automotive experience to get some information with regard to turbocharging and the, and the physics behind it. So. Uh, again, your sources, your, especially your primary sources, are right around you on main campus as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Absolutely good point, right? Because, you know, you got a automotive uh, department, right, that uh, they deal with that stuff, right? And in the real, uh, real world, for example, Spartan uh, works on uh, PLC controller that does uh, engine uh, management for the uh, generators. You know, to minimize the emission and to maximize the the power and uh, efficiency of the uh, generators. So this is you know not only applicable to cars but uh, to real world uh, of uh, industrial uh, machinery. Yeah. So uh, picking a, a topic which is your passion or your hobby, I think would make a good choice for a. For a technical report, what would you say, Lisa? I would say the, uh, you know, it, there's an old phrase that says the world is your oyster. You have the opportunity to choose anything. Um, the idea behind this is to remember that you're going to be intimately involved with this topic for 15 weeks and you'll be rewriting and rewriting and revising because this is the nature of um, any form of technical writing. So, or or uh, academic writing for that matter. So choose wisely. And if you find that this is not the topic for you, make the change early on. And again, keep in co close contract contact with your instructors so that we can help facilitate your pathway. Yeah. 
Thanks. Uh, Arthur, uh, can you suggest a few more topics? Let's say something like DIY things we can pick as uh, as capstone project or a report, something we can design or program or build. Sure, I got sure. something exactly for you guys. <laughs> you know, you can use a Raspberry Pi to to do your home automation uh, using, you know, MQTT protocol. And, you know, there are tons of uh, videos on, on internet and the resources you can, you can use to, to, to do that. Right. So that's one of them. You can build a, uh, like a semi industrial controller using Arduino and using the, some, uh, touch screens and tie those together in, you know, program them. That's one of them, or you can use, instead of Arduino, you can use Raspberry Pi and provide, you know, little uh, touch uh, display and um, Arduino, sorry, Raspberry Pi, talking now. So Raspberry Pi plus LCD screen, and you got a, a like a industrial HMI that will take the input from, from uh, real devices and you'll be able to control it from touchscreen. So, you know, a lot of this stuff, it's now available, it's not very expensive. You know, Arduino can cost 25 bucks and there are companies here in Alberta, you know, Solarbotic sells them in Calgary. And those, I'm sure you guys have them in, in Nate as well. You can use uh, resources from, from Nate. So it's open. I, I have to build this stuff myself when I was, you know, at university. I built uh, guitar amplifiers using tubes. So that the tubes are back, actually. So you can build a tube uh, audiophile amplifier now, you know. So one of the most recent topics of one of my uh, former section students looked at optimizing notch filters in order to decrease feedback when in a small stage, when on a small stage or in a small stage setting for performances. It was a really, really interesting topic to look at. Oh yeah, you know, the acoustics and, you know, this audio engineering is very, very interesting uh, field as well. Yeah, uh, I built a line follower robot with, uh, in a in a maze that used to follow a maze, so that that was not something useful, but uh, was interesting to have. I don't know. I think it sounds pretty useful to me if you learn something from it. <laughs> yeah, that way, yes. So uh, talking about Raspberry Pi, I remember uh, early March there was a AI DIY AI technical talk where they mentioned Raspberry Pi. So, following that, could you please briefly talk about what's new and uh, upcoming in the field of INC and automation industry? Uh, something for our listeners can maybe take inspiration from for, for their reports, Arthur. Your, okay. The first one is IIoT, right? Or Industry yeah. 4.0, right? So, that uh, that's evolution of SCADA basically that's so that's the first project I told you you can use it you know uh, take the, the Raspberry Pi and uh, do the home automation with it so so that's that's one idea or one area that is very very you know uh, 
uh, hot these days. The other one is uh, in artificial intelligence. And uh, uh, again, you can use that even on the, on the, on the Pi, a Raspberry Pi. You can use the, do data training on the bigger computer faster and with more memory and use the set uh, programmed on, on the Raspberry Pi for, for example, the the shape recognition on on the little chip camera, right? So uh, that's the other one. the The next one is cybersecurity in general. How it, it applies to to computing, general computing, or, as well as the uh, industrial computing and uh, the the devices that. Uh, the connected devices, which is IIoT, right? Which is the smart, smart uh, knobs, smart uh, locks, smart cameras. People hack those all the time, and you can do research. You know, find out what was the reason, how, why they were hacked by by the hackers. And there is a lot of information on there. It's it's all public knowledge, and you can do really good paper on, on that area. There are people that. Uh, specialize in this area and if you if you are you know cyber security inclined or uh hacker uh gray hat hacker you know inclined you can make a lot of money doing that yeah. uh, legally legally right you you actually companies companies will pay you money to break into your in their systems yeah put your weight out on yeah, the other one is uh, upcoming stuff. That's open process automation. So that's uh, one of the, mm, I think, future of uh, industrial automation when it will be interoperability of different uh, platform and different softwares. And so that's uh, that's something you could read on. So you know. These areas of those four four topics, I would say, that's something that uh, you can research and find if you if you're interested in it. If you're interested in it, make it a career out of it. You know, make a career of something that you're interested and passionate about because you're gonna spend you know thirty percent of your time at work. It's life's too short to do something that you don't like it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a lot of uh, topics and suggestions on our list from this conversation, I would say. And going back to our report, uh, Lisa, I would just ask you two quick questions. Uh, what APA guidelines are we following for this course? And what is plagiarism and how to avoid that when you're doing this for the first time? All right, so I don't think that anyone would be doing this for the first time because in high school, each of you is required to do to form or to complete some form of research report and provide a list in a bibliographical form. So a list of your research sources. So APA 7th is just a different version. Uh, APA stands for American Psychological Association. It actually is not the greatest, not the most ideal complement to an instrumentation paper. We should be using the IEEE form of research uh, documentation, but as Nate is a post-secondary that 
designates degrees. APA uh, tends to be the standard for that, so we are using APA. Uh, APA introduced the seventh version or the, the APA style seventh version of uh, report formatting as well as referencing and citing. And we're using the two latter simply in referencing and citing, uh, ensuring that we uh, properly avoid plagiarism. Um, APA 7th was actually introduced by the APA, American Psychological Association organization in 2019, uh, but it was just adopted in this past school year, uh, 2020 and 2021, uh, for uh, use by students. Uh, with regard to plagiarism, the idea behind this is, again, we're trying to ensure that we have all of our secondary sources or publicly available sources listed on our final pages and uh, cues or hints for uh, within our within the report uh, with regard to what types of sources you're using and how you're applying it to your research. Uh, super important for the audience simply because if an audience uh, sees a quote or an image uh, such as a graph and they want to get more information on that, you provide them uh, in parenthetical form a, a, a cue to the correct entry on the list on the last page and then they can use the hyperlink available there or they can knock on Arthur's door to borrow the book that type of thing, um, in order to be able to, again, uh, also indicate that their information is sound, authoritative, and reliable. Plagiarism is avoiding doing that. Basically, the idea of plagiarism is if you take an idea of any sort, in image form, in text form, from a research source from another individual, and you don't provide credit where credit is due, in the form of a proper reference entry and a proper in-text citation, uh, you're plagiarizing. Yeah, and nobody wants to do that. <laughs> uh, again, accidental plagiarism is usually the common common form. Uh, the idea behind this is again, uh, whether it's accidental or intentional, it's looked at as the same way, and it has to be uh, corrected, basically. Yeah, so before I move on to our last question or last thing, just a heads up to our listeners who joined us live today. You can type in the question if you have any in the chat. We'll begin quick Q&A in, in two minutes or one minute, I would say. So our my last question to both of you, what tip or message would you give to students uh, who are nervous about writing or presenting? So as an uh, instrumentation student, my apologies, I, I will just go ahead. Arthur, did you want to take this first or? Okay, thank you. Uh, apologies for that. So one of the things to keep in mind is you're here to learn. And with that, you're expected to feel uncertain and overwhelmed when this, with this type of topic. But understand that good technical writing isn't created so much as it's built. And we start with really good sources. We develop that foundation, just like we dig a foundation for a house. We need to have that solid foundation from which to build the content in order to be able to provide a sound message to an audience. Uh, so the idea behind this is to think about the fact that uh, everyone involved, your instructors, your program, asset and TAC, they all want you to succeed. And your librarians, um, Jody Lommer is your librarian instructor and who's an amazing contact. Uh, she's available through the last link that I posted in the chat today. And they're all here to help you. Uh, the idea here is to also remember that your pathway will change as you progress through your research. Uh, so, you know, approach this with some form of flexibility as well. 
what would you uh, suggest or tip or a message to our listeners, Arthur? Yeah, that was really good uh, idea by Elisa. Use the resources that are available to you. Use them. There is a tons of stuff. Don't be shy. People are there to help you. You know, and it's it's a shame if you don't do it. You know, and if you want to succeed in life and in professional life, you have to be. Uh, Sure, you have to do your own stuff. You have, you know, you can't be hand by by the hand all the time. But you just you're a student, right? So you use the stuff that's available to you. If you if you stuck, ask for help. There's no shame to do that, right? You got your colleagues. Some of them are better than the others. People work uh, in in the industry already, so they might have more experience and will be, you know, quite happy to help you, right? Ask me, ask Lisa, you know, Anna is there. Ask people from uh, ISA Edmonton section that people that don't, that you actually know. It, you know, there is people they want to help you you know my goal in in this stage of life is to transfer the knowledge i wanna i'm 69 i'm gonna stop working sometime soon i don't know when uh, i don't want to be bored so uh, I, I like to work i sometimes i work too much but i want to transfer what i know to new generations so people like you can succeed that's that's all yeah, Thank so, you. yeah, so for uh, that was something very insightful, the whole conversation. So we, uh, as mentioned before, uh, we had a few questions uh, while people were, were registering for this podcast. I'll just go through a few of them. So one is how do you adapt guidance for technical writing to suit the plethora of different ways individuals learn? and still optimize the written product. I think this is for Lisa. Um, could you, so with regard to the question, I, I'm, I'm hearing three ways and plethora. <laughs> so uh, could you maybe rephrase that question in your own words? Yeah, so I think they're just asking how to adapt adapt to all the technical writing guidelines and make it sensible for people who, who uh, are writing or reading that and still optimize the final product. Um, I, think, I mean, I think people... one of the big things to do is to actually uh, apply your sense of empathy. Think about the fact that you're creating a tool, um, a piece of information that can be utilized in, in a real world application. Think about who would be using this. Think about who you would intend in the instrumentation world and also people outside of the instrumentation world that wouldn't necessarily have the expertise but would have the interest in trying. So, for example, Arthur brought up both Arduinos and, and Raspberry Pis. Um, my husband and son are actually working on uh, using both of those uh, different for different types of applications here. My daughter's learning that as well. Uh, none of us has uh, any of that uh, instrumentation or electro, uh, electro, electrical engineering background necessary, but we're interested in seeing. So, if you could visualize the fact uh, someone or, or a groups of individuals who would be using the information, 
being responsible to those people, it might help you to better uh, write because yeah. you're writing. Yeah. So uh, next question is for Arthur. What industry segments do you believe will continue to have strong job growth in a world of uncertainty? Well, definitely automation will be uh, because, you know, through automation, uh, everything gets more efficient, right? Uh, more efficient is uh, less carbon intensity. And less, uh, you know, hydrocarbons. So I, that's where I see the future. And um, the other one is the IIoT, of course, artificial intelligence, robotics, uh, green energy, of course. But to order to create green energy, you have to automate stuff. So again, we go back to automation and instrumentation. So I yeah. think, uh, you know, bright, bright future in front of you guys. Yeah. So, you know, the, the right at this point, uh, right next to Nate, the Nate campus, uh, the country's or the province's first uh, net zero uh, carbon neutral um, district is actually being built in Blatchford Field. And one of the things that was brought up to me by my civil engineering students today was the fact that they're using a, a stormwater management facility as a natural heat exchanger in order to be able to control the geothermal energy uh, that is coming in from the ground, obviously. But it's such an interesting application and the instruments and the equipment that's being used is readily available and, and found throughout uh, industries that involve instrumentation every day. So uh, super interesting to think about again, net zero about alternative energies, those types of things. Yeah, so next question is kind of general. Uh, uh, they're asking what is the best piece of leadership advice you would give to a student or a young graduate? I think this can be addressed by both of you, whoever wants to go first. Arthur. Okay. Uh, the best advice, uh, don't hold back, right? Uh, do something that you're passionate about. I'm, I'm really pushing this agenda because this is, if you are interested in that, you want to learn that, you, you're going to be good at it and you be successful and you'll be happy doing it. If you're not happy doing it, don't do it. You know, it's a job for sake of a job. It's, it's, you know, boring. What, what makes a good leader? That that's one question. Good if leader? <laughs> what makes a good leader? Somebody can read the uh, people that working with, with working for you. Uh, look at the, you can tell that this person is shy, so you want to encourage him to, to present, for example, push it, push him a bit, right? There's a, this really, uh, fine, uh, border between pushing somebody and putting him down, right? So there are different personalities and people react differently to that and how you uh, 
work as a team, right? Everyone has, uh, you have to promote the teamwork and uh, uh, camaraderie and uh, that we are all the same and we are pushing in the same direction, basically. If, uh, if you are successful, if the team is successful, you'll be successful. I think th those are two very important uh, uh, streets of the good uh, Yeah. So next question is for Lisa. Would the technical report project typically just involve literature review type research or would it potentially need lab conducted experimental research? Um, that's really both pathways are available to you. Uh, the best idea for you, especially if you're looking at experimentation of some sort, is to think about uh, how you how you can complete the experiment uh, within the 15 week term, uh, and who it is that can help you facilitate that. In other words, which instructor you can approach with regard to helping you complete that experiment. Yeah. So uh, next question is for Arthur. Where is the future of automation going? Is AI as big as it seems? Yes, uh, there is uh, uh, there are two train of thoughts about that, right? Uh, that the AI cannot be uh, taking over our uh, creativity, right? Because then people stop become becoming creative. But on the other hand, you can program or uh, input the, your knowledge or creativity into AI system, and it will be extension of you, right? So, uh, I don't know. It's like before we were, people were afraid of robotics because robotics will take our jobs. I don't think it will happen, and I think people will be creative again, or still, regardless of AI or not AI, right? Yeah, I think automation will, will continue to thrive, and we will still have our jobs. Yeah, so for moving on, next question, uh, which instrumentation job requires the best English skills? This is... Uh, Seems like a satire, I would say. <laughs> or or uh, like a, I don't know. Lisa, would you answer or Arthur? Arthur? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. That's difficult question, you know. And if I like uh, analyzers, right, the field, because it's, it's, it's very encompassing on on chemistry and physics and electronics so it's a very complicated field but it's it's fun it's uh, very interesting i one of the first jobs i had in in canada was in the research council that used that's what uh, alberta innovates used to be called and I was working coal gasification and coal liquefaction and doing some analysis of, you know, uh, 
using gas chromatographs. It was really fun, fun job and fun and a very interesting field. So, you know, analyzers is one. Uh, control system programming of it, it's uh, of very uh, sophisticated control algorithms is the other one, you know, using Simulink to simulate something and then program that. So, you know. Yeah, I think the question is asking uh, which 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 of these require the best English skills. I mean, oh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I don't know. None of them. You have to come able to communicate, right? So it doesn't really matter where you are at, uh, in 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 your English program or English. Uh, mm, what level you are, you, you need basic way of uh, transferring your knowledge or transferring what you learn. And uh, it, so there is a minimum, right? And minimum is that you be able to communicate effectively with team, your team, with the, your clients, with uh, uh, people above you. So, I think it's the wrong question. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. But yeah, it, it's a requirement because I remember applying for a Spartan jobs. They ask you to answer a few questions. And one of them is, how did you solve uh, a technical problem in your life? And it's like a text response. You, you should be able you should be able to write something and convey what you think, what you did. So, yeah, that's a requirement. There's a huge difference between knowing something and being able to convey how you know that. And even more importantly, how the individual on the receiving end is going to understand it. And mm -hmm. thinking about any type of communication skill, you have your you have your established skills, your hard skills, your analytical skills, your instrumentation skills. Communication skills are considered to be what we call a soft skill. Uh, whereas your hard skills, your, your your essential skills get you the job, it's the soft skills that get you the promotions. So yeah. do keep that in mind. And it also those those you know very well honed communication skills are the skills that will spare you in the layoffs. So something to keep in mind. Yeah. Okay, so I don't see any questions in the chat. So if there are no questions, I'll conclude this episode today. And um, thank you so much, Arthur and Lisa, for taking the time from your busy lives and to provide us with valuable insights into the subject. And thank you so much to the listeners who have joined live today. And as promised, all of you will receive a free copy of Alberta Directory of Automation in your upcoming labs at Nate campus and give us some time to add the topics inspired by today's conversation with our guests. We will email you a list of prospective good topics over the weekend and have a good night. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Lisa. I learned quite a bit. Awesome. I'm glad it was lovely to have met you and to have learned from you as well, Arthur. Thanks for the opportunity to uh, join you today, Mina. Mina, my apologies. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. I think it was very useful and it will help students with the most challenging course. <laughs> yeah, you guys doing an excellent job, Nate, and uh, doing those podcasts. Podcast. 
and you know i think uh, this is you know bringing all, all your students together and uh, the professionals it's it, it was really good idea i'm glad that you guys came with it and i'm i'm really really happy yeah, i would yeah. think our brilliant idea to have these podcasts you know good for you <laughs>